Office of Kurt Miller. At the present time, I am unavailable to take your call. What? If you would please leave your name and number at I, the sound of the tone, I'll get back to you had as a quickly date, as sir. I can. If your matter does need immediate attention, yes, please press zero. And you'll be connected with someone in my office who'll be happy to assist you. But can they Thank answer you. questions from the this public? This mailbox is not accepting messages what? at this time. Thank you. Huh? Bye. I've I've been cut off. I've been I I was cut off by a bot. Eugene. How are you? Oh, living the dream. I bet. Hey, can you put yeah. me on, uh, can you can you pick up the line so the audio's clearer? Is that better? A hundred percent, yeah. Otherwise, it gets all the, uh, the background noise. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll, and my guest this week is Seymour First Selectman W. Kurt Miller. Hello, First Selectman Miller. Good morning, Eugene. It feels like you have... I don't know if I like your energy level. It feels like you haven't been on in a long time. What's going on, Mr. Miller? It feels that way. I was starting to be... uh, feel like I was being neglected. Well, we did have... uh, It was very sad to me. My last podcast was uh, with stand-up comedian Anthony Rodia, who who was appearing in Seymour. So he bumped you, unfortunately. But look, I put something out on (laughs) Facebook last night. Uh, asking the people, the people of Seymour, if they had any Seymour-related questions for you, the first selectman, the uh, exalted ruler of Seymour. And uh, we didn't get a ton, unfortunately. I put out another uh, uh, call this morning, but I'll just get right into it. Aggie Alves, thank you for posing the questions. Aggie, you're really helping me here. Because uh, I really don't, I don't have anything. No, I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic. When, when is Wendy's opening? When is the Wendy's opening off Route 67? Uh, we expect Wendy's to be open by the end of the month. They are ahead of schedule, um, but I haven't got any specific updates yet on a day. Okay. An exact day, I should say. Um, but before I left for vacation, it was expected before the end of July. And you know, just the difference in the, uh, the 11 days I was gone. Uh, is, is incredible how quickly they've put that uh, facility up and together. And you went to uh, Hawaii. Not that I'm stalking you on social media, but that's what I heard. Uh, yes, I went to Hawaii. Was that your first trip? First trip over there? First time I've ever been there. I'm not sure I would go back. Really? Um, while the island, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful over there, um, but it's a long flight. I mean, I believe the flight over is 11 hours, and the flight coming back was 10. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's it's like going to the Caribbean, and for what you pay for airfare, um, it's just either you get more bang for your buck in the Caribbean. But I, it's it's absolutely beautiful. I, I mean, it's it's something to see. I see. Yeah, I don't. I, to me, I, I I'm I'm never gonna ride on a, a plane for that long, especially as an obese man. And hey, you got Belmore, New Jersey, right down the road. What do you need Hawaii for? That's that's right. The Jersey Shore. It's Hawaii's very much like the Jersey Shore. Very similar. <laughs> very similar. I don't think you're being <laughs> truthful. Any updates on Tritown Plaza? Uh, nothing um, specific. Uh, Mr. Spector is coming to town. Actually, this morning I received uh, an email uh, to schedule some time in August uh, to meet with him when he comes in. So um, I have nothing new to. Um, provide, but I'm sure after that uh, meeting with him in August, uh, I'll have some more updates and information. No, you won't. All right, and then Aggie asks, what are those loud booms? LOL. That's like the standard uh, Facebook community group section. It's one of the or, or, or questions, I mean. 
I love when people just get on there and ask, what was that noise? Yeah, I'm going to venture to guess it was fireworks, for <laughs> lack of any, <laughs> I mean, anything better. So, All right, so that uh, was Aggie, that. I'm sure we'll be listening when this is played. So, uh, And then moving on, Christopher Bowen, who recently announced a, uh, uh, he's a candidate for the board of selectmen, if I'm, if I'm uh, not mistaken. He asked a question. Uh, first, he has like an introduction to his question. When I was 15, I used to be a janitor at Seymour Middle School. The building was old and falling apart and later needed asbestos abatement. 24 years later, that building is the community center. Now, when it rains hard, water literally comes in by the old stage. This virtually guarantees a mood issue. I believe he meant mold. But I get depressed when it rains, so maybe he meant mood. How are things going, and here's the question, how are things going in relation to getting a new community center? And this is something you had mentioned on previous podcasts months ago. There is this idea, if you're elected to another term as first selectman, you'd like to uh, not push forward, but uh, start to see if there's interest in a community center of some kind, whether regional or not, in the town of Seymour. Uh, our plan as it currently stands, and uh, more information will be coming out in August, uh, will be to have a question on the ballot in November to see if the residents want to move forward with a new community center. Would that question um, have in, a, I'm sorry, would that have a dollar amount up, attached to it, or would it yeah. just be a... Oh, okay. It would have, do, it would have a dollar amount attached to it. Um, that's where we are in the process now, uh, determining final location, scope of the project, uh, actual costs. Uh, things like that. So we have until September for the selectmen to vote on the questions that would actually go on the ballot. So that would be one of the three questions we'll be putting on. One of three. Holy cow. There's actually news coming out of uh, Seymour uh, in this edition of the Naval Gazing podcast. So the town must be already working on it then. I I thought nothing was happening at the moment and it was something that you would consider after November. Who's doing what? Who's researching this community center? Has there been a committee set up? Are these meetings open to the public? What's going on in that respect? Uh, At this point, it's just members of the professional staff uh, that are going through compiling the information, um, putting numbers together, working with um, some architects uh, and some builders who have volunteered their time, just helping us kind of put the pieces together. Um, and once we have that, then it'll be presented to the selectmen. Uh, if the selectmen are acceptable to where we are, then the question would be put on the ballot. Uh, the residents at that point would be able to vote in November, and depending on how the residents vote, uh, would determine the next steps that we would take. But assuming the residents approved us moving forward, uh, the process would begin in December. And I know uh, there's been a lot of talk, or there was a lot of talk during the uh, Ansonia budget process, and I heard some of it here uh, in the great city of Derby that I'm proud to call my home, despite what you may say about the community. The uh, Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, there, there's been talk, the regionalization. We hear regionalization, a community center, uh, you know, Ans- uh, Ansonia doesn't have a splash pad. I was, I was monitoring some community groups there. Is, the, is there a possibility that this could be a joint effort, or is Seymour going it alone? Uh, Well, the plan is for Seymour to go alone, um, but I have reached out to two other communities. Uh, Both have tentative interest in joining us. Uh, What are the um, Two other, two communities. I won't say which two they are. Somers, New Um, York? What, are they local? uh, Well, Louisville, Kentucky. (laughs) And Tulsa, Oklahoma are interested in joining in with us. But, that's uh, why you went to Hawaii? I'm yeah, sorry. that's right. <laughs> yeah, Kapalua on Maui will be coming. <laughs> um, but, the, um, you know, we're going to build this to what I think and, you know, the people that I've been talking to and working with, what we think are, you know, initially, you know, the initial phases, what the needs and the desires of the residents of the town of Seaborn are. Now, that if it's approved, I'm sure those – Things will take a little bit more of a finer shape as we get input from the residents and, and things like that. But, you know, the, the tentative idea that we have is what I think is in the best interest of the residents of the town of Seymour. And when I approach these two other uh, first selectmen, so that'll give you a little bit of a clue. Hmm. Um, Beacon Falls, Oxford. You know, 
they were both very interested um, in the in kind of what I was talking about and thought that it it made sense. And depending on where we put the this um, community center, that uh, they may or may not have interest in that. And they also now have to go back and look at their old their their own excuse me situation. Um, you know, where would they come up with the money? Things like that. So, um, you know, we are designing. Um, the ability to pay for this as if Seymour was paying for the whole thing. Okay. And if we are able to have other communities join us, um, then what that would do is offset any uh, debt service costs that might be brought on, whether it's they're each paying a third, it's split in half, two-thirds, one-third. It, it depends, you know, who comes on and what. But, you know, the one thing that we've made very clear is the community center will be run by the town of Seymour. Uh-huh. So it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a regional staff that will be run by our community services department. We would handle the staffing. Uh, we would manage and maintain the building. And then these other communities would would pay in. So, we're, again, we're building the financial model for this as if Seymour was paying for the whole thing itself. Okay. So and you have any, a lot to get out to the public before uh, November then? Because there will be a ton of questions about what the costs and who does what and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, what will be on the um, the question that will be on the ballot in November will simply be, do you want to have a new community center, yes or no? I mean, I, I'm, oh, it's, it's not going to say for thirty million dollars. It's not going to say no. It, it, it'll no, it'll have some specifics in it, but okay. that's what that question will be. Would you want to build a new community center for fifteen million dollars? Theoretically, it'll be that. It's not, not that that's a number. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Not that that's a number. No, okay. um, that's what the question would be. Um, now, we're also exploring some other options as well where we may have the community center built for us and then enter into a long-term agreement with um, someone who will maintain the building, and we will essentially just lease the space over a, a 20- or 25-year period. That's so we're looking at, at different options. Um, we're trying to find the most cost-effective way to build what we want. Um, as you know, for a municipality to build a building, it's a little cumbersome. Um, you, know, you have to put the plans out. You have to kind of build those plans. You really can't deviate, but a private builder can do more design build or they can make changes on the fly. They don't have to go through as many hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to determine which might be the best course of action. And it also depends on where the building is ultimately going to go. If it's going to go on land that's owned by the town of Seymour, well, then the town of Seymour will build it. But if it's land that might be on, um, that might be someone else's land, then some of those options could be available to us where we may buy the land in advance, build the building. Like I said, they could build the building, we could lease the space for them. So there's a lot of options still that we're working through. And I mean, if you go with this sort of uh, quasi-public-private partnership uh, you're still going to have a question on the ballot about it. Um, I, I think we would, but it would that would be a different question. Okay, it would be more of just a simple: Would you want to have a new community center? Okay, and j- just keep it as as a simple question as that. Um, but again, until we have all the final details, and we still have. Um, you know, five or six weeks until we get to that point, and then discussions with the selectmen. Um, okay. We'll kind of flesh out what that question will actually be for the ballot. But, uh, you know, this has been out, I guess I won't call it a rumor, because I said it uh, out loud myself. Um, I, the feedback has been extremely positive. Um, a lot of folks are very um, on board with the idea, because we're talking about an indoor turf field, uh, indoor track, uh, you know, multiple multi-purpose courts, a swimming pool, a playground, um, you know, an, a brand new upgraded senior center, uh, you know, new meeting space. So there's a lot of positives to this. I think, you know, the community deserves to have something like this. Seymour's a very active community, um, you know, with sports, obviously. But, you know, I think there's other things that we need to be pushing more of. Uh, You know, our community service department, I think, has done a great job in just expanding the offering of, you know, whether it be dance classes, music classes, art classes. You know, the more space we have, the more of these classes we can put on, the more of our residents we can serve. Mm -hmm. 
So okay. that's our goal to kind of have an all-encompassing building or buildings uh, that will allow that to take place. So uh, there you go, Christopher Bowen. Thank you so much. That's it. I'll see you next time. Uh, no, you had mentioned... Well, let, Wait, well, no. let me build what? off Chris, Chris's huh? question a little bit more, if I could. Okay. Um, I mean, hey, I'll just I'll, know, I'll step out. I'll, I'll go get something. I'll be back. Just because, you know, since you can't, you know, you showed up to the podcast unprepared, I'm just going to go wild with it. Um, you know, to, to Chris's point, there, you know, that the current community center, the old high school or the old middle school, depending on how old you are, um, it is an extremely old and tired building and needs a tremendous amount of work just to bring it back up to snuff. So mm-hmm. when we started investigating that building, I mean, theoretically, we're going to need to put in somewhere between 4 to $5 million just to bring that building back up to snuff. And investing all of that money in that building doesn't increase our programming space by one foot. So we looked at it, bef- you know, before we were going to invest that kind of money in that building, what would a new building cost? What would a new facility cost? So the question is, if I said to you, we can put $5 million into the old community center and have the exact amount of space that we have now, or we can spend, let's say, 10 or $12 million and build a new facility that has a swimming pool and an indoor turf field and all these other things, would you want to do that? Could be a better investment over time, obviously. Correct. Right. So and that's kind of how we got to the point of, you know, really moving forward with this new community center idea, because it doesn't make sense to invest in what we currently have. It makes more sense over the long term to actually build a new facility. Okay. Uh, there's, and there's other questions I could ask, like, what's going to happen to the old community center? But let's not, let's not jump the gun. We, we spent a lot of time on that, Bowen. You can't have the whole, you can't have the whole podcast, Christopher. Uh, you had he mentioned wants, he though, wants it all. you had slipped in there. That's that could be one of three ballot questions that'll be uh, on the ballot possibly in November, which is also a municipal election. Uh, so I guess I'll have to hire a freelancer. But but uh, what what were the other questions that will or could be on there? Uh, Five million dollars for roads, paving and, the roads, uh, paving the roads. Yep. Okay. And uh, an investment in our emergency services communications infrastructure. Of how much money? Um, I'm going to be um, non-committal at this point on that number. Uh, so it's still, we're it's still, still being, okay. We're still shaping that out, and plus, um, right now, I, I don't want to really put that information out in the open. Um, because, again, it has a lot of it has to do with the security of the community, how we protect our citizens, um, so when you say the, for the time being, I'm not going to put a number out. Like, are you talking about, uh, uh, radio tower stuff or just, could you be a little more specific with, I know Seymour's had issues. I, you know, you, 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 you drive along parts of Seymour and you're, you, you get, you get no cell phone coverage all of a sudden there's dead right. spots. And those were also issues because of the terrain with, uh, uh, you know, emergency communication. Is that the type of thing we're talking about or? Uh, yeah, it's a mix. It's, uh, you know, how our police talk to our fire, how they talk to our EMS, how they talk to our public works, uh, how they talk back to their um, to their home bases, to their stations. It has to do with uh, infrastructure within the police department itself, some of the computer systems. So it's a host of things all centered around communications. And, you know, we put through an ordinance change and created a new communications commission mm-hmm. where it is essentially made up of each of our service chiefs, the emergency management director, public works director, IT director, security director of the high school, and myself. Um, and we meet on a monthly basis just to talk about the communication needs of the town. And uh, we've had a couple meetings now, and this is what's come out of that. And there's always uh, the, the need to, to, the, to upgrade and improve and repair because the technology advances so quickly and it's very easy to have outdated equipment uh, very quickly. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, okay. Very quickly. I mean, you know, and the biggest chunk of the costs, um, I'll say this, are actually the handheld portables. Okay. Um, huh. That, you know, the men and women, the police, uh, our EMS, our public works folks, um, the, you know, the handheld portables that they have. So, I mean, that's a big chunk of the cost. And that's kind of where this originally started. And then, as I said, the conversation just kind of grew. Of, well, we could, what would be the cost to do this and that? And, you know, we, we had a big list, which was substantially more expensive. 
Um, and then the Chiefs all got together and kind of whittled down to truly what was important and what was needed. Uh, and then they're also building a plan for the future as to how we can address these needs on an ongoing basis. Gotcha. So suddenly, yeah, the 911 system doesn't suddenly shut down because the uh, the computer right. system's all. Gotcha. Yeah, it's like... And we're, and, but just to reiterate to people listening to this, we're not in any danger. You know, our systems are still very good, uh, still very strong. Um, they're well-maintained. They're well-run. But, you know, they're starting to get to the end of their useful life. And we're probably in a window where we have, you know, three to five, six years until, you know, we're going to get into desperation mode. So instead of waiting till that last possible second, you know, the Chiefs are trying to be proactive to make sure that we're keeping up to date and our equipment. And here's a way we can maintain this if we uh, expend right. a certain amount of dollars per year. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, just don't encrypt right. everything. You know, I know like everyone, the, the trend is to encrypt all communications, but I'm telling you, it's a, it's a valuable public service. People always want to know where the fire truck's going, but that's just my own comment. Okay. So we had one other question. Those are three ballot me- measures uh, First Selectman Kurt Miller of Seymour has told us about. Let me just refresh the wickedly popular Valley Indy Facebook page. I have four notifications. Uh, wow! Oh, oh, we've got a couple of uh, uh, questions there. Let me let me let me go in there. I hope they have you have you heard about this dog Charlie, the uh, the bulldog that ran away from the Shelton Fire Shelton Fireworks show on uh, July third. It's all over. I hope. No, you haven't. I had not. You're busy. All right, I won't get into it, but I ho- it, it almost seems like somebody stole the dog at this point. I hope by the time this is broadcast, they get it back. Okay, Leanne Stone asks, and this is a general question and something you've talked about uh, before, so uh, no offense to, to Leanne Stone, but I don't want to spend an incredible amount of time on this, but she asks, what is the town doing to attract businesses? We need to get income so we can lower taxes. It's been great not having any increases, but all good things eventually come to an end. Is there any, uh, I mean, this is basically, you've talked about this nonstop since you were first elected and virtually every story published in either Hearst, Connecticut Media or the Valley Indy touches upon economic development and what's being done in Seymour. Uh, If I may Mm -hmm. modify her question, is there any uh, new businesses or new initiatives uh, that you care to talk about uh, uh, on this podcast right now? Well, again, there's, as I've talked about it, there's that core economic development, the, the kind of the engines that run the town, and then there's what I'll call amenity-type economic development. Uh, both are important. You know, the amenity-type economic development would be restaurants and, and things like that, but the core economic development, that's really what allows you to stabilize your mill rate, and it's kind of a chicken and an egg thing. It's you know, what these companies want to see before they invest in a community is consistency. I mean, Shelton is very attractive because they have a long record of consistency. The goal has always been for myself and my team to get Seymour to be that consistent community along the lines of Shelton to do two things. Number one, to cause our current residents, our current business partners, to want to continue to reinvest. That reinvestment will then cause other people to take a look at Seymour and want to start to move in. And we've talked about, you know, the investments that MPI has made, who just won a a big award. We'll be doing a proclamation for them next week. Yeah, I had no Um, idea about that company. It's amazing if people uh, search Valley. Very. Yeah, holy cow. Very state-of-the-art, you know, strong company. But, you know, basement systems, Thule. I mean, we have a lot of that strong economic engine up in our, te- our commerce and technology park to the point where they're even partnering together. And we've talked about how Thule and Basement Systems came, t- came together on close to a $13 million investment uh, that's now up and running. But, you know, another big company up in our industrial park, um, Winslow Emery Scale, is now moving their entire operation to the town of Seymour. So over the next year or so, uh, they'll be bringing in, I believe it's about 90 uh, folks and uh, don't quote me exactly on the number, but you've from just quoted Pira yourself, Hope, sir. Indiana, Indi- I know, but you know what I mean. Don't hold me yeah, to the no, exact number. Um, uh, from Terre Haute, Indiana, they'll be moving that oh, whole no operation kidding. up to Seymour. Wait, say that again. Yeah, wow, so it, what's the name of the company? So it's uh, Winslow Emery Scale, it's okay. up in our Commerce and Technology Park. They've been a uh, a long time uh, corporate partner of the town. Uh, so you know, we're certainly excited. So those are the things that you're starting to see happen more and more in Seymour. And when you see your major taxpayers, your major employers that are reinvesting in their operations, 
that shows you the amount of confidence that they have in the community and their plans going forward. Because if they thought that Seymour was, you know, not headed in the right direction, not going um, in, in the, in, to the places they think it should be going, well, there's tons of opportunity for them to go to other towns and cities in Connecticut or across the country. Mm. So it's exciting to see, you know, a major company uh, like that moving their entire operation to Seymour. I think it's, it's a feather in our cap, and I think it's something that's going to continue um, over the coming years. So, okay. so to her question, that's how you start to lower the mill rate more and more. Uh, but again, it's about stabilizing, you know, a real true stabilization of your mill rate um, and your taxes. And then from there, you start to take those steps down. Have you heard about anybody uh, running against you? What are, what's the, uh, the rumors out there? Uh, who are the Democrats going to put up against you uh, for the November election? Um, I have not heard of any um, liar, anyone that's that's coming forward, um, any serious uh, person that's coming <laughs> well, forward. Well, um, are there any clowns? What do you mean, serious person? Well, I, you know, when you if, say Ethan Fry's if, running. If there was a, a serious uh, challenger, uh, that person mean. would have already been identified. Probably would have already been out campaigning, raising money, um, you know, things like that. So. At this point, um, you know, hopefully I'll be unopposed. Uh, but if an opponent does uh, come forward, I mean, my campaign is is up and running. Uh, all the pieces are in place. Uh, we have all of our important positions filled. So we're ready essentially just to flick the switch and, and turn the campaign on. Uh, my focus has more been on the under-ticket races at this point, uh, going out and recruiting people for um, you know, specific boards uh, where we don't have a full ticket yet. Um, you know, I'm very happy that all four of the Republican selectmen are coming back. Um, and I know that on the Democratic side, um, and no discredit to, to Chris Bowen, who I think is a great guy, but, you know, both uh, Stefan and Rob, I know, are running for the board of selectmen, which uh, I'm very happy about. I mean, I think the seven of us work uh, very well together. Um, you know, we... We disagree when, you know, we need to disagree, but we don't, it's not the normal politics that you see in a lot of other towns. You know, if it's a good idea, regardless of a Democrat idea, a Republican idea, the seven of us get behind it and, and move it forward. Uh, you know, if it's in the best interest of the Seymour, that's really what the seven of us care about. You know, Fred Stanek used to always, when, you know, I first started out, we used to always talk about different things. And I mean, we still talk all the time now, but, you know, he used to stress that for three months, out of every two years, we're essentially in competition with each other. But the other 21 months, we're just 16,000 people trying to do what's best for our own community. And, you know, I think Stefan and Rob truly embrace that. God that bless democracy. About, yeah, it's not about showing up at these meetings and fighting with each other and arguing and grandstanding and or killing just, each other in the Just newspapers. opposing uh, an idea could be good, but because it's not from right. your team, you just have to try to sabotage it, which... You, which I have seen in other communities without a doubt. Right. I mean, d debate is the best thing possible. And I love it when, you know, we put an idea out and it gets debated back and forth because that's what shapes it and makes it, it makes that idea even better. So and that's, I think, what the seven of us do very well. And I would be, you know, very excited, and again, not to exclude Chris, but, um, you know, I'd be very excited to have the same six selectmen back because we work so well together because it's not about our individual needs or wants it's truly about what's best for the residents of the town of seymour and so there you go i just gave a plug to two democrats sort of they uh, no you, you did uh <laughs> we have a question this is a great question too from uh and I, uh, th this person's been a fan of our page for a decade now and i don't know how to say her last name because i'm an illiterate uh moron but it patricia emily rumkunis Rincunas, Patty Rincunas. Okay, yeah. Patty. She says parking downtown has always been a problem as long as I've been here. Uh, and she says I learned to walk downtown at an early age because of that. Don't know if anything say, can be done. Pat, Patty's a lifelonger. <laughs> but there is that. I mean, parking. <laughs> I, I hear this a lot. Is uh, a, a real pain of the neck in downtown Seymour. Uh, what can, if anything, the town uh, do about that situation? You know, having. You know, I know people say having no parking is a good thing. That means your downtown is busy and active and, and things like that. And Mark yes, the Shark says that. To, 
yeah, that's true to a point. Um, you know, it's certainly better than downtown being deserted. We've looked at a lot of different ways to add parking downtown. I mean, it's a small downtown. It's it's landlocked. Uh, you know, we made some changes to First Street. We did that uh, a few years ago where we made it one way. We made the angle parking. We were able to pick up some parking spaces. Um, you know, we've done some work to the different community lots that surround uh, the downtown area. You know, there's really not a lot more that can be done unless we acquire more property, and we've tried to do that unsuccessfully, or we start to go up. So you add a, a parking garage or something like that. Well, you know, functionally, that's a good thing to do. Aesthetically, I'm, I think that takes away from, you know, our downtown area. So it's something mm-hmm. that we you know, will continue to to look at. The one thing to keep in mind is the commuter lots are not full. So while the parking spaces in, you know, we'll call it downtown proper, are full, if you were to walk two blocks down to the commuter lot down by the Trestle Tavern, there's always parking spaces there. If you go out out by the Fish Bypass, generally, there's parking available there. So, you know, there's spaces around. It's just, you know, we live in you know, we don't live in the city. Now, if I told you, Eugene, you could park your car three blocks away from where you're going in New York City. Well, you think it's well, nothing. You, you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'd be happy as can be. But if we, you know, if you're in Ansonia, Derby, Shelton, Seymour, you got to walk three blocks to get to a restaurant or something. Oh, I'm not going. It's way too far. So it's, you know, it, it, it's a tough thing to, to do. Uh, but to Patty's question, we're trying to come, with, come up with as many creative ideas as we can to improve the parking situation uh, downtown. Okay. Uh, my last question, I wanted to ask you uh, for your reaction. I'm working on a story today f- uh, for tomorrow. I wasn't originally intending to write a story about this per se, but the uh, meeting minutes were actually quite extensive. What's your uh, uh, thought or opinion on the way the Seymour Board of Education uh, dealt with that. Uh, they had an assistant principal up there who got a DWI, and now uh, after a pre-disciplinary uh, hearing, uh, independent hearing officer recommended that the person keep his job, uh, but the Board of Ed still had the opportunity to impose uh, some type of discipline, and ultimately they went with a 20-day uh, suspension. Uh, obviously a tough issue, uh, what, how do you think the school board handled it? And I might say there was also pressure from the public at a few meetings from what I read in the Connecticut Post uh, where people showed up at meetings and were literally chanting, reinstate uh, this person. Well, I guess we'll break it down. We'll break this down kind of into two parts, if we could. Um, first, the, the personal part of it. Um, you know, I'm happy that Paul will be coming back. Um, you know, I have a, a very good relationship with Paul. I think he's, as a person, uh, I think he's a great guy. As an educator, uh, I think he's even better for what he does at the high school, uh, how he impacts the kids, how he interacts with the kids. And I think you see see that through the support from the community. You know, a lot of the high school parents, you know, I've heard speak and how they've talked highly about Paul and the things that he's done uh, you know, to help their kids and how he communicates and how he works and is available and visible and things like that. So, you know, I think that's a credit to our, our three principals currently at the high school, uh, Jim Freud, Ernie DeStacy, um, and Paul Lucky. I think, that, you know, we're very fortunate to have those three uh, folks up there now. But, you know, when you look at the discipline aspect of what happened, and this is the hard part of this, is it can't be based on Paul Lucky. The discipline needs to be based on an assistant principal at our high school had this issue. It, has no, it can have nothing to do with Paul and his personality. Because let's say it had been an assistant principal that no one liked, an assistant principal that didn't have a good reputation, that hmm. maybe didn't, wasn't as popular. Should that person's discipline be any different than Paul's? under the exact same situation? And the answer to that is no. It should be exactly the same. So that's where the struggle comes in. Do I think Paul should have been disciplined for what happened? I absolutely do. Do I think he should have lost his job? I personally do not. Um, you know, we, whether we all agree or not, 
you know, we now live in a second chance society. Um, I think people should be given the opportunity when they make a mistake to correct that mistake. And we should base things on how they are moving forward, you know, in an educational setting. Um, you know, I think Paul could use himself as an example to these kids that, listen, everybody screws up. Everybody makes mistakes, but it's what happens after you make the mistake, how you grow, how you learn, how you, you move forward. I think Paul will be a good, uh, you know, living, breathing example for these kids. So now, that's kind of where I... I had never even considered uh, what you said about, you know, it's not about the individual. It's really about... Uh, you know how you handle uh, you know, the the offense for for lack of a better word it, or lack of a better word because it's not a popularity contest. Do you think that's what uh, the school board struggled with? I mean, I only read the meeting minutes. I wasn't there in person, and I think in general, when a school board tackles something like this in a public setting, they understandably try to limit their uh, sort of opinions as much as possible. Other than you know they'll they'll talk about it, but is that what they struggled with? I guess I'm asking. Um, you know, I'm not 100% sure okay. uh, if that was, I mean, I think it was, um, you know, I'm very limited to what I actually know and don't know. Um, you know, technically Paul works for the board of education, does mm -hmm. not work for the municipal side. So he's not one of my employees. So I'm not really entitled to know what was going on. Now I, I would certainly ask questions of the superintendent, Mike Wilson, and the chair of the board of education, Jen Magri. Um, but, you know, they would tell me what they could. And we have that understanding that if it's things that I'm not supposed to know or can't know, you don't tell me because, you know, I'm going to respect that, we'll call it wall, that, that needs to be put up. So, you know, that was, I, in my thinking, though, I think that's one of the reasons why this took longer than it should was because of that. Now, you have public outcry because people like Paul. And they wanted to defend him, and they wanted to fight for him, and they wanted to do what was best for him. And, you know, the board has to balance that with, you know, what is the proper direction to go. And, again, I'll go back to, let's say Paul wasn't liked. Paul was not well-respected. And none of these people came out to fight for that person. I would like to think that the board would react in exactly the same way that the punishment would be exactly the same. You know, they say justice is supposed to be blind. You know, it should matter whether you're rich or poor, white or black, you know, tall or short. It, it doesn't matter. You know, punishment should befit the crime. And I, I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying that what he did was that bad, but or a crime, I should say. Um, but, you know, the punishment should fit what transpired. And I would like to think that the Board of Education would give the same punishment for that situation, whether it is a popular assistant principal or an unpopular assistant gotcha. principal. Okay. And then just my last question, and then I'll let you go. And I probably kept you too long. I think we're at like the 40-minute mark here. But all right, so you were a budget consultant for the city of Ansonia, uh, which I'm being thrown out. Uh, the uh, uh, I found it sort of fascinating. There, You talked... And I'm sorry I didn't go to this meeting, but I think you went to like a joint meeting of maybe the alderman or the automatic subcommittee and boat. I get confused as to who's doing what in Ansonia. But uh, I thought it was interesting to me, based on reading the meeting minutes, you basically told the city that, hey, look, you guys have been using your fund balance to stabilize taxes for a little uh, while now, and you can't do it anymore. Is that accurate? Um, somewhat, <laughs> you know, what, what I had said was, <clears throat> and again, when we talked before, um, when we answered that one, uh, woman's question about, you know, taxes and things, you know, and about showing stability and, you know, stabilizing taxes and things like that. And Sonia had a very large fund balance and they decided to use the fund balance to offset tax increases to try to keep that mill rate as level as they possibly could. They actually lowered it a little bit. But you can only do that for so long. And I use the example of paying for your mortgage with your savings account. You know, your mortgage is going to continue on for 30 years, but you don't have 30 years of mortgage payments in your savings account. So at some point, you need to kind of wean yourself off of. 
And while I understood, you know, having some very in-depth conversations with the mayor and, you know, some of his staff as to why they did what they did and what their goals were, um, you know, I understood the steps that they took to get to the point that they're at, but it's not something that would be sustainable for the long term. So they needed to start turning and breaking away from that. And what this budget was, was a half step in that direction. So the expectation is the budget for fiscal year 21, which will be the next budget after this one, is that the use of fund balance now will go back down to a level that is tied essentially to contingency or non-reoccurring expenses. Now, do you so think... That was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I was say that, well, no, that's what I was trying to you know, impart on the board, well, the two boards, because it's kind of that joint subcommittee. Uh, you know, that that's the philosophy of where the city of Ansonia needs to be. Now, Ansonia and Derby are very similar communities. And uh, the fact that uh, in Ansonia there was a tax increase uh, put into effect in this budget, uh, and Derby had a, a tax increase for a variety of reasons. But one thing I heard sort of in both towns, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought this was a little bit of a trend here in the Lower Valley, the days of saying zero percent tax increase uh, for political reasons are over. Would you say? It seems that Ansonia is going to have to have maybe a small tax increase if they don't grow their grand list uh, every year, and the same thing in Derby. Well, th theoretically, even when the mill rate doesn't move, there is still a small tax increase. Because the value of your home, let's say your home is, you know, assessed at $100,000 at 36 mils, and then the next year it's assessed at 105000 at 36 mils, you've actually paid a little bit more. So, you know, just because the mill rate stays level um, doesn't necessarily mean that taxes stay completely flat. What you need to look at is the year-over-year -year spending increases, and that's how you can truly see the increase in taxes and compare that, and this might get a little too technical, but compare that to the amount of revenue that needs to be generated from personal property tax mm -hmm. and, comp and compare that year over year. So in the town of Seymour, if we need, uh, just as an example, I'll make a number up, if we need $36,500,000 in fiscal year 19 to run the town, but in fiscal year 20, we need 36400000 Well, then you can honestly say that that's a tax decrease. But if we needed $36,600,000, well, then we needed a $100,000 tax increase to run the town, even if the mill rate stays the same. So that's something that I try to, you know, when I do these uh, presentations, I actually have a chart um, which sits on the, the wall in my office that talks about the budget overall increases and then the impact on property taxes and how those change. And that's truly how you can see what the actual increase of taxes are specifically in each town. It's not necessarily the mill rate because, again, the mill rate is just a multiplier that's used to get you to the final number. Does that make sense or did I get way... It does. It does. Technical? I mean, it, it's... My question was whether, uh, you know, we always hear people, I'm not going to, I mean, you answered my question. You just uh, did it in a way that I wasn't expecting, but but that's fine. But I am not surprised you have a chart on your wall that says something about whatever. That's That <laughs> doesn't surprise me at all. But are you going to... I, I have a spreadsheet <laughs> on my computer, too. So. <laughs> are you uh, going to consult with Ansoni again in their next budget cycle, do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I like to think that I got them to a spot... Um, where, you know, philosophically, you know, they have a good understanding. Um, at some point in August or early September, I'll be, my report will come out. Um, I'm kind of working on that on the weekends and stuff, uh, just of ideas and suggestions. But when I tell you there is a lot of, and I don't want to steal any thunder from Mayor Cassetti or, or Mayor Zekin, um, but those two mayors realize kind of what the future of both cities looks like and the need for working together. And I think over the next 
a uh, couple months, I think you're going to see a lot of, of that. Um, you know, these are two very small cities um, that have a lot of similarities and would be natural fits for a lot of regionalization. Now, I know they're talking about the schools, and you know, I think that's, that's a great thing, but there's a lot of other pieces between those two towns that would fit together very nicely, which would provide, in my opinion, more service to the residents at a substantially reduced cost. So I know that those conversations have started. Um, you know, I was a part of a few of them. And, you know, I think there's a lot of positives that are going to to come out of that. We're in a place now in, in the state of Connecticut because of the financial pressure that's constantly being put on us from state government with the cut cutting of municipal aid, with the amount of unfunded mandates that keeps getting placed on the towns and cities – that we need to start regionalizing. Gone are going to be the days, in my opinion, where every single town can have X. It's going to be to the point of, you know, their X might need to be shared by three towns. And if we go back to the community center, if we build that community center and we spend, you know, 10 or 15 million or whatever it turns out to be, you know, it's big enough to house two or three towns. There's no question in my mind. And the more people that we have coming into that community center, the more of opportunity we have to provide programming because we're pulling from a bigger base where maybe we couldn't provide programming before because maybe there's only three or four people in Seymour that wanted to do that. But if you opened it up to two other towns and now you have five, six people from each town, now suddenly you have 18 or 20 people that want to do it. Now you can run a successful program. So that's benefiting everybody. So, Towns and cities in Connecticut really need to start pushing regionalization where it makes sense. And it's, I think, great from my perspective to see that Ansonian Derby um, are coming together to do that for the benefit of both of their communities because they're struggling. Um, both mayors realize that. But by coming together, they can make everything stronger. Okay. And with that, I will bid you adieu. First Selectman Kurt Miller of Seymour, I want to thank you, uh, as always, for taking the time. See, it's good we had a little a little break there because we both came in energized and with uh, topics to discuss. I think this went really well. Yeah, no, I was uh, I was happy to get back, and you know, I love the fact that you put the questions out um, and let people ask the question or put the question out to ask questions. They give them the opportunity. I, I think yeah. it's it's. Yeah, it's great that we can specifically talk about what people want to hear, not necessarily what you know I want to say or what you want to ask. It's it's what the people want to hear, so that's great. Yeah, absolutely. All right, sir. Have a great day. Thank you so much. You as well. I appreciate the time as always, Eugene. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. For info, we gave you the clues. Profits were always sky high. Changing market now threatens our lives. Post literation, critical reading, dumbed down nation, signs of inbreeding. TV sucking ideas from our head. Public discourse, just about dead. We'll ride the dinosaur. Yeah, ride the dinosaur. Our readers are in the opens each day. Online clickbait, a brilliant way. It's free information here to stay. Not even hookers give it away. Advertising, metastasizing, newsroom shrinking. Nutrition. We'll ride the dinosaur. We'll ride the dinosaur.